0: Grab your Bible and turn with me. We're going to be in a couple different passages of scriptures today, but you can put a finger in Ephesians 6 and Exodus 20 and Proverbs. We'll be in chapter 23, but you can find those. We'll be together there in just a minute. As we're in our third week on the series of the fractured family, putting the pieces together, as you remember, we looked first at how God created man and woman. He created marriage. He created childbearing and he said it was good and he created the family and because god is the author the creator it gives him the ultimate authority to define what family is and we saw that there is this competing idea that's not just new in our generation but throughout history those who have tried to do god's plan a different way and it always ends in catastrophe and we saw last week how God not only created the family, but He created man and woman and He created the institution of marriage. And He has the authority and He has the the unique ability to define marriage the way that it is best experienced. And the crisis and the fracture that we find today in families is, is not just because they're trying to redefine what it is, but it's also because we're missing out on the blessings that God has for us when we do it His Way. Today, I want to key in and, and focus on the high calling for parents and the high calling for honoring your mom and your dad. You see, there is this lost aspect of the family today. It's this living miles apart while we're still underneath the same roof. If we look at the family across America today, there's, it's, it's more than just a, a geographic distance that's causing a problem it's like the lights are on, but nobody is home for the family. And maybe you've heard that phrase used before. It's not always used in a very uplifting manner. If someone has said that to you, the lights are on and no one's home. My guess is they were probably not trying to give you a compliment. It's kind of this thought that uh, on the outside it kind of looks like you have it together, but maybe you're you're drifting off, or or you're not quite with it, or or something's wrong. Something's not quite right. The lights are on, but but nobody's home. And and while the outside appearance may be that the family is this new, evolving, wonderfully progressive thing, I wonder if anybody's really at home. You see, parents are physically absent. The family is lost because the parents are lost and they're not there, and, and many parents are physically absent. As we've talked uh, in the last couple of weeks about the, the havoc that divorce brings upon the family on marriage. It brings it upon kids as well. And so because of divorce, there are parents who are absent physically from the home. There are times when a parent is absent physically from the home, and it's not due to any sin or even any choice that through death or the loss of a loved one, there is not a parent there in the home. And it brings a challenge. And there is this physical absence that may not be because of of an out-and-out out willful disobedience of God. It may not be because of this tragic loss, but it's from this compromise of priorities that ends up being, I think, sinful. When parents choose to be a workaholic over a familyaholic, and, and I don't know why I wish we could eradicate this phrase from our positive vocabulary, that when we refer to ourselves as a workaholic, we think we're giving ourselves a compliment. Friend, the things that you are addicted to are not something to be excited about. If I am... Addicted to work and, and I am physically absent from my family, it's going to have a huge consequence. Parents are not only lost physically absent, parents are emotionally absent. Mom or dad may technically be home, but their mind is anywhere but there. Some bringing work home, others lost in their own challenges in life. They don't have much emotional availability to give to their kids around them, and families are fractured all across our culture. Parents are also spiritually absent. And this is one that we definitely see in our culture, but I'm not so surprised and not even that upset at our culture for being spiritually lost. Because Scripture tells us, for those who walk in darkness, the light will seem foolish. And so this rests solely on the church, those who follow Jesus. We are to be parents that are present spiritually in the home. But I'm afraid that in many church homes, we've outsourced this responsibility of being a parent In the spiritual realm of showing up to church, we say things like, I'm going to go to my church of choice because they have a great children's program. I'm going to bring them to church, and it's your job to make sure that they turn out okay for God. You look at how many hours that you entrust them to the church and how many hours that they could and should be with you. That doesn't make much sense. The family is lost, living miles apart, not only in the parents' aspect, but I think there's a huge amber alert that is needing to go off. You know what this is this alert that a child is missing Maybe you've been down an interstate around a big city and they have across a digital sign amber alert of of a child who has been abducted or has been lost It's as if the whole city has a plan that they put into order to try to find this child in the first 24 hours So something horrible doesn't happen. They they make it a priority there's Businesses, there's stores, there's whole companies that have policies that in their place of business if a child is lost they will put into practice these steps of protocol to lock these doors and to say these phrases over the intercom and to to engage every employee to try to find the child who is missing. And while this is important and needed and worthy of our attention when a child is physically lost, I think there needs to be an amber alert sounded for our children who are lost Because of the fractured family. Children who have lost respect for authority. Some, it's out of rebellion and a lack of discipline. Others, children have lost the respect for authority because when they look at those in authority over them, they cannot find anything admirable or praiseworthy and they don't have much that they feel that they can give respect to. There's an amber alert that needs to be called out for children who have Lost the blessings and benefit of obedience. It's not just the the destruction that comes because they don't obey their parents. It's the blessing that they don't receive with obedience. And the blessing of understanding that authority can be an umbrella of coverage for an individual. Not always something to rage against. Children have not only lost mom and dad. They've lost their identity. They may know who their birth parents are. They may not. But... The greater tragedy is that they don't know their identity in Christ. This morning I want us to look at embracing the high calling of parents and the high calling of children. And I need to let you know that today it's, it's some fundamentals. I don't know how you feel about fundamentals, but when I think of fundamentals in sports, they're not always the most exciting or exhilarating things to work on. Uh, This past season, I had an opportunity to relive some of my soccer dreams with Upward Sports. I can't tell who was more excited about practice, the kids, or me, because I felt like I got to move into that soccer arena again. But I was reminded quickly of things that the kids and my Upwards team were verbalizing that I said not that long ago. At least it didn't feel like it was that long. Let's quit doing drills and let's play a game. Let's work on scoring and making a goal. And not many kids would sign up to say, you know, Coach Brady, could could we really work on that inside and outside dribble today? Could we do a little bit more of that? How about some of that footwork? Could, could we work some more on the footwork? Could, could we work a little bit more on technique of how we throw the ball in? That's boring stuff. I want the goal. I want the win. The fundamentals are important in, in what God has for us in this passages of scripture today are fundamentals. And, and my great concern, we're going to get to it, it's important, but my great concern is we'll miss it because it seems so basic. I want to get to the the high stuff of family and parenting and dealing with things with mom and dad. This is fundamental. I went skiing this past season with some friends and with my family and, and there was this mass lesson that we had of get everybody on the same page of skiing. I was reminded of this same principle with fundamentals again. My daughter, Caden, had never been skiing, and she had visions in her mind of just racing down the slopes, and the thought of taking almost half of a day to learn to ski when I could be skiing is about all that she could take. I mean, who really needs to know how to get into the skis and how to get out of the skis? Who really needs to know which ski to put this way and that way? And snowplow is boring. I've seen video of people doing jumps. Let's go do the jumps. And yet, just a few hours later, when we're on the slopes, this idea of, now, how do I stop? How do I get up? How do I get back into the skis becomes also important. And my thought for us this morning is that these fundamentals may not seem so exciting or glamorous now. But when we're trying to do the advanced work of parenting, the advanced work of loving mom and dad when it's really tough, we'll have to come back to some of these fundamentals. Embracing the high calling of parents. How can we see God's plan for parenting? We can look at God the Father. It's easy to see God the Father as some advice in parenting with the language of Father. We can make some connection there. But I believe that Jesus the Son also can teach us about parenting and also honoring our father and mother. Hal Perkins in his book asks these good thoughts. If Jesus was a parent, how would he parent? How could Jesus teach us about parenting? I mean, he didn't have biological children. But yet Jesus spent a great deal of time with a very small group of individuals, followers, that later became his disciples. When Jesus went to the lost, when he healed people who were hurting, when he preached to the masses, a few men were always close to him, the twelve, the disciples. Toward the end of his time on earth, he spent an almost disproportionate amount of time with those twelve Because he was going to impact the world through the few that were very close to him. The disciples, in a sense, were his family. And Jesus is calling us, every believer, to go and make disciples of all nations. And could it possibly be that the most powerful way to make a disciple, the most powerful way to turn the world upside down, is to disciple those that are in your home. The best hope for your child to become a discipled follower of Christ To make other disciples is for his family, for his parents to disciple him, to disciple her. Well, why are we called to do this? Because Jesus is giving us a pattern. God's giving us a pattern throughout Scripture that this picture of family of marriage of parenting of of children and mom and dad is a picture of Christ loving the church and the church loving Christ it's a picture of how God intended to pass on faith from one generation to the next well what are we called to do there's two key areas i want us to look at for parents today and and whether you have children or you don't have children whether you're married or not this applies to us because of the picture it gives to us again of what it means to be a part of God's family We are first to love our children. Now, I know this is inside and outside, kicking of the soccer ball. It doesn't seem that glamorous. It's so basic. Of course! A good parent loves their kids, but here's the problem. The world's idea of loving children is very different than God's idea of loving kids. Our culture says if you love your kids, you enroll them in every activity possible. If you love your kids, you give them all the things that you never had when you were younger. If you love your kids, you give them as much freedom and don't bring any kind of Corrective discipline, be be loving. If you love your kids, crack the whip and make them do it just because you said. And it's all these weird ideas of what love is that I don't think really squares with what God's Word tells us on some fundamentals. You see, if we love our children, how do we do this? We need to first accept our children. Acceptance produces security. Romans 15:7 says, "Therefore accept each other in the same way that Christ accepted you, he did this to bring glory to God." And Romans 8:35 and 38, "Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love?" Does it mean that he no longer loves us when we have trouble? I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. You see, this acceptance is, is God's grace to us through Jesus Christ. Grace is the face of love when it looks at failure and imperfections. Like an ideal parent, Jesus identifies relationships with, with goodness and with grace. He serves his family and the disciples. He sacrifices for them and he suffers for them just like he did for you and for me. But the world doesn't get this idea of loving. This idea in the world is a conditional love. I love you if you do what I say. I love you when you produce what I want you to produce. But God calls us to love our kids. It's grace that is the face that love wears when it looks at failure and when it looks at imperfections. It's to start the way Jesus starts, with The graceful love of acceptance that produces security. Next, we are to love our kids. How do we do this? We are to have appreciation that produces significance for them. Matthew 3, 17 uh, intrigues me. Here the father is expressing verbally appreciation and affection for his son. A voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. There have been many a son and daughter who have lived their entire life Longing to hear words similar to that from their mom or from their dad. Here, the Heavenly Father clearly expresses appreciation and affection for the son. Parents, we need to speak. I know it's fundamental, but we wonder why we have trouble when we're going down the slopes and navigating the tricky turns of life if we haven't learned how to ski and navigate through this parenting thing in the foundation of love, the foundation of Acceptance. The foundation of appreciation is critical to the more advanced aspects of parenting. Speak your love and approval for your kids in public and in private. Third, affection. Affection keeps our kids from searching for love in all the wrong places. As the Father God expressed his, his appreciation and his affection for the Son, I don't believe it was just for Jesus. I think it had a huge ripple effect for us, the onlookers, for the readers of what God felt and said and did with his love for his son. One of the best ways that we can give affection to our kids is to appropriately touch them with our love. I don't know what that looks like in your family, but... Be a hugging family. If your family isn't authentically hugging, then be a fist-bumping family. I don't know what it is, but, but touch your kid in an appropriate way. Love them with the love of Jesus. Don't let them go through life wondering and longing what it feels like to have an affectionate touch from someone. God says in the home there is safety, there is love there. Appreciation needs to take place. Affection needs to take place. Acceptance needs to take place. Finally, when we love our kids, we are to... Be available to them. Availability will leverage the love that you already have. In Mark three thirteen and fourteen, it says Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came. He appointed twelve and designated them apostles and that they might be with him. This is interesting to me that Jesus on purpose selected the twelve and and brought them to him because he wanted them to be with him. He saw value in the time that he would spend with them and he gave so much disproportionate time to those 12, and he turned the whole world upside down by those he was closest to, by what he did with them and spent time with them. I believe it's important for us as parents to leverage our love by being available with time. You say, well, how does this really help? My kid knows that I love him. Our children need time to experience our love. It's interesting to me how far our culture is off from this. I was tempted to give you a bunch of stats today, but but I think there's enough weight and power in God's Word that I don't need to bring a bunch of them, but there's a few that I just couldn't resist sharing. Today, the average parent spends three and a half minutes per week in meaningful conversation with their children. This is a self-professed study of parents across different faith beliefs, Across different generations, on their own, they said, of meaningful, and here's how it was categorized. It's not conversation about what do you want for dinner. It's not conversation about could you go do this chore. It's not conversation about what did you want to watch on TV. Those are have its place and they have some value. But the meaningful conversation where eyes connect, where hearts are touched, and something of value is discussed. The average parent spends three and a half minutes per week in meaningful conversation. And we wonder why there's fractures in the family that go so deep. Well, there's got to be something more complex than this. It's a fundamental. Spend time with your kid. Talk with them. Have meaningful conversations. On an average, children spend 67 and a half hours per week plugged into some type of screen. Whether it be a phone or a computer or a television or a gaming system. Some type of screen grabs their attention. How much time are we going to invest in our kids to our children love must be spelled with t-i-m-e before we can get to any other letters that we want to place there. Well, I may not have quantity time, but Brady I I give quality time The nature of our family and the makeup of our family. I, I just can't give a lot but when I give it it is the best That's silly When you go to the great steak restaurant, do you just want one square inch of quality steak? I mean, that's good, but I came for more than one bite. Well, it's quality. I need quality and quantity. Well, why do we make our kids choose between do you want more of unvaluable time with me or do you want valuable time just a little bit? Could they be a priority to receive both? Loving our children, that's only half of this fundamental simple call that God gives to us. It's not always easy, but always simple, is to love our children. The second is to lead our children. How can we lead our children? Well, first, we need to be authentically real. Be Who we are. Start with you. I cannot lead anybody where I'm not willing to go. You cannot lead your children where you're not willing to go yourself personally. Dad, Mom, if you aren't being transparent with God and transparent with your family, they will know it. And if you start talking about leading with appropriate discipline, if you're not being real with who you are, you will have very limited effectiveness in your parenting. It's not do as I say, but not as I do. It is watch the example that I give. Authenticity produces trust and it brings credibility. Paul gives these kind of words to his spiritual children when he gives these thoughts in 1 Corinthians 11. And you should follow my example just as I follow Christ. Could you tell your kids, do this in life. What, dad? What, mom? Do what I'm doing. Well, I'm not perfect, Brady. I can't. I didn't say you had to be perfect. Could you teach them how to fail? Could you teach them how to make it right? Could you teach them what it means to be humble? Could you teach them what it means to be a man or a woman of integrity when you find yourself in things that are less than full of integrity? What do you do then? Those are very valuable lessons that they're screaming out to receive from us. See, we are to be authentic not just in the things that we are successful in, but also in our shortcomings. When you've messed up, consider saying something like this to the kids, to your spouse. My words, my actions, my motive, my attitude, they were wrong. You know that I'm committed to following Jesus, and and Jesus has showed me that I was wrong, and, and I've agreed with Him that it was wrong, and I've asked Him to forgive me. He's forgiven me, but now I want you to know that with His help, I want things to be different. Don't underestimate the power of opening up your imperfect heart to your family, mom and dad. Oh, I don't have kids. This is so boring. Friend, when you understand the role of a godly parent, whether you have kids or not, you understand the role of what it means to be a godly child. See, when we teach clearly from our own imperfections about walking with Jesus, we teach them how to get up when we fall down. Values are caught more than they are taught. Kids get more information by observing those persons who are close to them than any other way. Children tend to value what they see their parents valuing. In other words, if there happens to be some consistency between what the parent says they value and what they show with their life they value, if they see that consistency, the probability is off the charts huge that the child carries that same value with them for life whether it's a good value or a bad value, when they see mom and dad say it and mom and dad do it, it has a huge impact on them. The reverse is true as well. When a child sees mom and dad say that something is important, but they watch with their life and they see that it doesn't show that it's important, they're not only confused, they are lacking values that they desperately need. We are to lead our children not only with authenticity, but with accountability and with authority accountability and authority creates self-discipline look at ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 through 4 children obey your parents because you belong to the lord for this is the right thing to do honor your father and mother this is the first of the ten commandments that ends with a with a promise and this is the promise if you honor your father and mother you will live a long life full of blessing and now a word to you fathers do not make your children angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. You see, mom and dad, children, I'm going to tell you something you know, but we need to know it again. They're not born obedient. Anybody who had kids not know that already? We can identify the terrible twos. We can identify that they come out knowing how to lie. They come out knowing how to cheat. They come out knowing how to steal. No one teaches them that, but sometimes we don't make the leap to say if they're going to obey, someone must teach them how to have obedient hearts. Children must be taught to submit to parental authority so that they understand and have the experience in submitting to authority when they realize who their heavenly father is, the king of all kings, and they know how to submit to his authority. You see, if you take rules and you add it with a relationship with them, we can get in the equation the outcome of respect. But if we take rules with no loving relationship that we talked about there's no love it's just rules and rules and rules often you will get rebellion it may not be allowed rebellion but it will be rebellion of some kind whether it's quiet at some point they will have a rebellion now rebellion can happen from other aspects it doesn't mean that every parent who has a child who rebels means that they have had rules with no relationship i'm not saying that But I'm saying if you want to have a foolproof way to make your kids rebel, give them rules with no relationship, you will quickly send them on that path. Also, the equation is true. Relationship, loving them without any rules, without leading them, it will lead to irreverence in your child all the time. Our culture has Moved from one that didn't speak about their love for each other much and ruled with an iron fist to now swung the pendulum so far that we just love, 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 give first place ribbons to everybody and nobody has any experience of any kind of corrective discipline and we wonder why there's an irreverence for life and a reverence for so many things and God says, love and lead your children. Don't pick one or the other. I called you to do both because that's how I love and shepherd you. When we skip these steps, we think we may be helping them, but we end up hurting them deeply. There's a high calling for parents, but there's also a high calling for children. You see, honoring your father and your mother, it's not just for kids. It's not just for kids. Kids, this is a time to say amen. And this is not just for those who are in elementary years. It's not just for those who are in adolescence. It's not just for those who are in college. This is for every single person. By raise of hand, how many of you have a mom or a dad? Now, they may not be on this earth anymore. How many of you had a mom or a dad at one point in your life? It may help you out. You may not know them. You had one. Biology tells us, every one of us, there was a biological mom and a biological dad. Whether you know them or not, that's a different question. But you have a mother, you have a father. And so when God calls us to honor our father and mother, this doesn't end when we leave the house. It continues on. In fact, I want to argue that parenting has a lot to do with how we honor our mom and dad. Our kids are watching. It's a very simple verse in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. Then you will have a light, you will live A long and full life in the land of the Lord your God will give you. Honor your father and mother. God gives this command. And it gives a blessing after it if we follow it. Now, I don't think it's because we don't believe that that God said, Honor your mom and dad. I don't think it's because we don't know that God said, Honor your mom and dad. Most of us have heard somewhere somebody say, Do it because I'm the mom. And most of us have learned this Ephesians 6 passage, uh, Children, obey your parents early on. Most of us have heard this. But why don't we honor our parents? I don't think it's a lack of information. If we did some self-examination today, I think there would be some who would say, well, Brady, let me tell you who my dad really is. And as you would begin to tell me the story of your father and what he did to you and what he didn't do for you, it would break my heart. And I'm not belittling your experience, but I think we have stories we tell like this that Often are very accurate and very true We tell the story of our mom of what she did do and what she didn't do and and it would grip and break my heart If I had the time if we could take the time to hear everybody's story here, we would weep together But hear this god did not say honor your mom and your dad because they are perfect He didn't say honor your mom and dad because they deserve it He said Honor your father and mother because I, the Lord your God, told you to do so. Notice this commandment. Why did God give us this commandment? I believe it's because there's no perfect parents and there's no perfect family. If parents were perfect, there'd be no need for this commandment. If families were perfect, there'd be no need for them to seek the help of God. And so because of the very frailty of humans... We are given this command to honor our mom and dad, even in the face of their imperfections. In a family, the parents are the first people that the baby interacts with. The child is completely dependent upon their parents for everything. And because no parent is going to do everything perfectly right, there will be letdowns, there will be disappointments, there will be failures. To different degrees, I'm sure. But it's learning to honor Our parents, even when we don't understand, that teaches us to honor God when we don't understand what God is doing. God has given this command because He has said we are to honor those in which He has given authority over us to. Well, what does it mean to honor our parents? Honor simply means to exalt or to lift high in esteem. But some of us come from homes where mom and dad were anything but Christian or they lived anything but Christian. Others have come from homes where maybe mom or dad was abusive. How do you honor somebody who is abusive? When we begin to understand what honoring means, I think we can begin to apply this in our life, and it has a direct impact on the fractures in our family, a direct impact on how we parent or how we will parent in the future. First, honor speaks more of the person's position than it does their personality. By that I mean, it may not be that they're loving and kind in their personality and the way they relate to you. It may not be that they're even God-fearing in that, but their position of mom or dad is what we honor, is what we respect, is what we hold in high esteem. The office of mom or the office of dad is to be respected. You should respect the authority that God has given to them. It may not be respecting the choices that they have made. For example, I have a picture in my own family, my grandfather, Ernie Wisehart, for most of his life did not love Jesus. He created an environment in his home that was riddled with abuse, with tension, with bitterness. He was an alcoholic and the effects of alcohol hit the Wisehart house in every way you could imagine. But I remember watching my dad honor Grandpa Wiser, honor Ernie, not for the choices that he made, but for the position that he held. And there was a breaking of the back of a problem that could have gone from one generation to the next because somebody said, I'm going to honor mom and dad even in the face of things that are horrific. Honoring mom and dad doesn't mean that you're excusing their disobedience to God. It doesn't mean that you give them a free pass to hurt you physically, emotionally, or other ways over and over again. But it says, I will honor the office of what God has entrusted to you. Understanding that honor is an act of obedience, not just to mom and dad. At times it is. But often it's an act of obedience to God. And then obeying God is also giving an attitude of respect to our parents. It may not be respecting their choices, but it's respecting God. Well, how can I specifically honor my parents? What does that look like? How can I do it? If you are a child, if you're still living at home, here's some thoughts. Ephesians 6.1 tells us, as a child, we can honor our parents by obeying and respecting them. It's pretty straightforward and simple. Nike's slogan had it right here, kids. Just do it. Not just because mom and dad say so, though that's a good reason. Anybody ever have that? When you ask why after a direct instruction from mom or dad and they say, because I'm the dad, that's why. Because I'm the mom, that's why. That may be an important lesson to learn to not have to have an answer all the time. Sometimes we need instant obedience, explanations come later. But there's a higher calling than that, kids. We are to honor mom and dad. We are to obey them and we are to respect them because God tells us to. When we do this, we are obeying and honoring God. There's no perfect parents, just like there's no perfect kids. But God still calls us to be obedient to those who have appropriate authority over us. As a young adult, how could I live this out? I would argue by accepting and appreciating your parents when you move out of the house and you start out on your own honoring your parents moves beyond just obedience and respect it now moves to appreciation and accepting as you emerge out of the insanity of adolescence you begin to realize that your parents are no longer the old-fashioned ignorant weirdos that you once thought that they were When you start to have to support yourself, provide for yourself, suddenly you develop an appreciation for what was provided for you over and over again that you did not think too much about. When you begin to face the challenges of marriage and challenges of parenthood, you learn and understand why your parents responded the way they did at times. And you have some appreciation, even some acceptance of maybe some errors that they made. Proverbs 23 verse 22 says, listen to your father. Who gave you life. And don't despise your mother's experience when she's old. I thank God that, that I'm able to see the the good things in my parents. And and maybe you have godly role models. Maybe you don't. But is there anything that you can thank God for. That you can appreciate in them. Where you you see that they have taught you a life lesson. Maybe they didn't teach you to. Fear God, but maybe they taught you a strong work ethic. And maybe they didn't teach you how to be disciplined, but they taught you how to love the beauty of life. Can you honor and appreciate them? Can you accept them as God would have you? See, I think for some of us, the most spiritual thing we can do in response to this message today is we could go tell mom and dad how much we appreciate them and how much we accept them and love them. If your parents are no longer alive on this earth, maybe you could write a letter and share it with someone close to you of how you love and you appreciate your parent. There's a freeing thing that happens to us. Final category, what about the adult who's no longer able to call themselves young adult, though they may want to? It's been a number of years since they broke from the transition of adolescence. As an adult, how do I honor my mom and my dad by affirming and not abandoning them for many parents the older they get the less respect that they get all their affirming friends are starting to pass on and to die and they are no longer wanted in their marketplace for their skill set or their wisdom and their growing children are busy with their own families they they lead lonely lives your parents have a great and desperate need to know that they are still valued they need your affirmation There's a shameful tragedy in our society today where busy families are abandoning the elderly to die all by themselves. The Bible clearly teaches us that their care is not to be pushed off on somebody else, but we need to embrace that. I'm not saying that there's not a place for assisted care, but where is my time with mom and dad? Just like mom and dad need time with the child, the child needs to spend time with mom and dad. This is the cycle of the family. As time passes, the roles reverse. At one point in time, the parents were the ones who bathed you, who fed you, who cared for you. Will you be willing to extend the love in that cycle of family that goes the other direction? I believe Scripture gives us instruction here in 1 Timothy 5.8. Those who won't care for their own relatives, especially those living in the same household, have denied what we believe. Such people are worse than unbelievers. So what do we do with these fundamentals. I wanted to ski. I wanted to shoot a goal. I want to dribble and pass and do the snowplow. Let's get to the good stuff. Friend, I, I, I want to let you know that I think that the fracture in our families is because we're not paying enough attention to the fundamentals. Parents, love your kids and lead your kids. All of us honor mom and dad. Whether we can say that they are a godly example or not, we are to respect the authority and the office that God has entrusted to them. It has implications beyond just ourselves. Right. Now, I want to give you a heads up on where God is taking us in the next two weeks. We have looked at these philosophical, broad, 60,000 feet overview of concepts of marriage, of family, of parenting, of honoring mom and dad. And I believe God wants to land Real close to home next week. We're going to not be looking at what's wrong with all the families of society and all the family of the world, but we're going to be looking at your living room. Actually, you're going to look at your living room. I'm going to look at my living room. And I believe God's going to take us as we study what it means to have reconciliation in the home. God wants to bring some wholeness and some health to us. I share this with you because you may be here today and you're trying to hang with me, but you, You go, you know what, the things you shared two weeks ago on family, the things you shared last week on marriage, the things you shared today on parenting or honoring mom and dad, I've just not seen it. It sounds good, but it's not working in my life. I I don't know that if I could apply that to me, that it would solve those problems. Brady, you need to understand how hard it is, how complicated it is. Friend, because of that very reason, I think we need to walk through what God's Word says to us about reconciliation. Because when sin impacts us, it distorts and twists everything. So it's not a surprise to us that there may be some of these concepts that are so true, they're fundamental, they're basic, we have to get them first, but they don't seem to fit, they don't seem to work, because there is some reconciliation that needs to take place. So I am praying that God would begin to tenderize your heart and my heart to be open for that. And then our final week and two weeks... We're not just going to be looking at reconciliation, but we're going to be asking God to bring healing to our family. For the nation, yes. For our community, yes. But for my living room and your living room. Because I'm confident that God did not just stand at a distance and say, This is how it should be, you goobers. But He pours out grace. Grace is the face of love when it's staring at failure. Uh, Inadequacy, we're going to begin to see the healing grace that God wants to pour on our lives Heavenly Father, I thank you for these my friends and their great attention that they've given today to your word I pray that you will breathe on it God, I pray that you'll take what may seem like just fundamentals that seem so basic And you'll begin to weave them together and as we begin to get into the advanced stages of life You'll show us that the very building blocks of what makes family work your way. God, may we love and lead our kids the way that you have shepherded us. May today we choose to honor our mom and dad the way that you call us to honor you, Heavenly Father. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen. May God bless you. As you go today, find somebody that you are related to and love on them and spend time with them. If all of your family is gone, take time to write a letter that you would send to them if they were here and share it with someone else around you about how you love your family. God bless you. You're dismissed.